This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who is descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace, apostleship, and bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, it's good to see you guys again. We really enjoyed our vacation. We took a week and went to Branson, Missouri, and then we uh, had a week where we did nothing uh, but chill out. So amen to that. Can I get a witness? Thanks, Matt. (laughs) Matt's excited. I got some time to rest. That's good. Um, So uh, for a long time now, I have been a, get ready for this, a certified project manager. Yeah, yeah, no, I, right? It's, it's about what it deserves. Uh, but no, years back, I was actually teaching a course in project management. And before I taught the course, they wanted me to become a certified project manager. So I went through the process. I took the classes. I did the exams. It was quite a rigorous process. And I got the title certified project manager. But on all honesty, like that's a certificate that I have that I don't even know where it is anymore. Like it may have been lost in the fire. It's somewhere. Because I don't go around like owning that title all the time. I hardly tell anybody that I'm a certified project manager. It's a title that I have, but it doesn't really impact my everyday. Now, there are other titles that I have that absolutely impact every day. Uh, Take, for example, the title of dad. Uh, On March 24th, 2000, I officially became dad when Grant was born. And that title is something that absolutely impacted my everyday. So now I gotta help care for this baby and raise these children. And even now, where Grant's gone and and Landon will be eventually and Madeline is never allowed to leave the house. We have uh, signed a contract, she's always gonna live with us. But no, all that to say, like, we, I'm still always gonna be dad. I'm always gonna be there to give them advice, counsel to help them. Dad is a title that impacts me every day. And I'm sure if you think about it, you have titles in your life that are, you know, things you have that you never really think about. And then there are some that you think about all the time. Well, how about the title of Christian? How about your identity as a believer in the gospel? How does that impact your everyday? Think about this past week. How much did the fact that you are a Christian Listen now, change your daily life. I hear some people say it this way. Oh, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like one of those super radical Christians. I'm not a Jesus freak about it. I'm a Christian, but I don't feel the need to tell everybody I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, but the world doesn't need to know. And I understand there's some pushback against some of that crazy, radical, in-your-face, whatever. 
But listen, the world is kind of going to hell. And so were we. But Jesus, Jesus came in and rescued me. Jesus came in and forgave me of all of my sin. And because of Jesus Christ, my eternity will never be the same, but listen, my every day is gonna be different because of Christ. Now, I'm saying all of this because I think that is where Paul is really revealing to the Romans. So last week, Adam kicked off the book of Romans, and we started a sentence, and we didn't quite finish it, and this week we're gonna finish it. And this is how it's gonna go when you go through the book of Romans. It is rich, it is deep, there is meaning behind all of this, and you really have to, to really get Paul, you gotta like diagram out his sentences, and so, of course, we did that with this first long sentence from one to seven. It's really all one long sentence, one long thought. And when you diagram it out, it's really interesting. Now, I was going to, like, bring in my diagram and show you, but it's like chicken scratches, and you wouldn't be able to even tell what I'm talking about. But let me just show you how it works here in the text. So let's go back to the text. You know why that's important, right, that we figure out what Paul is trying to say? Because the message of the text should be the message of the sermon, and we want to be faithful to preaching the word of God. And Paul has some beautiful truths here. So let's take a look at this. Verse number one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, everything else is going to branch off of that phrase, gospel of God. So set apart for the gospel, which he promised beforehand through Christ. You see that? Concerning his son Jesus, verse number three. And then talking about Jesus, he was declared to be the son of God, verse number four, all the way through to our text right now, through whom? Through who? Jesus. Jesus, the person of the gospel. So really, it's all hubbed around the gospel. Because of the gospel. Everyone say that with me. Because of the gospel. That's Paul's point. Because of the gospel, these things are true. And as we unpack this text, because of the gospel, these things should be true of us. Oh man, pastor, another gospel-centered sermon? You're talking about the gospel again? Absolutely. And now listen, we're redemption Bible church. And I'll talk about the gospel as often as the Bible talks about the gospel. So gear up. It's all over the text. So here's, here's the whole passion for today. Because of the gospel. Say that again with me. Because of the gospel. What I want to do is unpack for you in this letter part of the sentence. Five impacts. And here's my point. Five daily impacts. Because it's super easy to live life with your Christianity in the background. It's super easy to live life with the gospel not front and center. Now I want to help you say, okay, because of the gospel, what? Five impacts. Here's impact number one. Because of the gospel, I have grace. Because of the gospel, I have grace. Say it with me. Because of the gospel, I have grace. Let's look at the text, verse number five. Through whom, through Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace. Man, what a simple statement that is. We, all of us, have received grace. If you know Christ as your Lord, you've received grace. In a very simple statement, but I can think of few statements that impact your everyday 
more than the fact that you have his grace. You have his grace today. So we talk about grace, we preach about grace, hey, we sing about grace, amazing grace. That's where you sing with me, is that how that works? I mean, I'm beating my hands in everything up your church. I mean, come on, that was obvious. But uh, no, we, we sing about his grace, we talk about his grace, but what does grace actually mean? Well, the theological term simply means God's unmerited favor to us, that's a highfalutin kind of way of explaining it. What does it really mean? Listen, it means his undeserved love. Everyone say that. His undeserved love. He loves you even though you don't deserve his love. That's so important to understand for your every day. He loves you even though we don't deserve his love. What would it be like if God just started like writing down all your sins in a day. He just recorded all your sins, every lie, every wicked thought, every selfish motive. I mean, it'd be a pretty long list, wouldn't it? And then what if he said, okay, for every sin, I'm gonna punish to the same degree. I'm gonna exact the punishment that they deserve because of every sin. Well, God doesn't do that. He does not deal with us according to our iniquities or pay us according to our sins, Psalm 103. Instead, he has grace. He has grace for us. He has love that we do not deserve for us. Now, do you believe that? If you believe it, say amen. How'd you live this week? Because it isn't easy to live every day in that incredible and amazing and mind-blowing grace. Not easy at all. Especially if you grew up in the same kind of churches that I grew up in, where we kind of taught you needed to earn God's favor. Now, we were solid on the fact that salvation is by faith alone in grace alone. We believe that very strongly. And you can't earn your salvation, no way, no how, it's not by works, lest anyone should boast, it's all by grace. But once you're saved, you kind of need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and get going on this thing. Are you reading your Bible every day? Are you praying every day? Are you telling other people about Jesus? Hey, you shouldn't watch that. Good Christians don't watch that. They don't do that. They don't say that. They don't think that. What are you doing? Get after this. Come on, pick yourself up. Let's go. Let's get moving on this thing. And we got a picture of God that way, don't we? Like he's in heaven saying, come on, let's go. Why, why are you, come on, let's get after this. And even though we believe that salvation only comes through faith by grace, we somehow believe that we have to, as one counselee put it to me this week, we have to appease God by living right. Really, though? Is that how it works? If we were trying to keep a list of do's and don'ts to gain favor with God, you know what that's called? That's called law. And I gotta keep the law to keep God happy with me. Let me tell you what Paul says about that. This is from uh, Galatians chapter three, verse number one says this. Now watch these words. Read the first three words with me. 
Oh, foolish Galatians. Now watch it. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask uh, only, uh, you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? By the way, what's the answer? Hearing with faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Do you think you have to keep working to earn God's favor in your life? Are you being sanctified by your good works? You weren't saved that way. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know what that means? That means we walk every day, not by works, but by faith in his grace. I'm gonna screw up. Chances are you will too. What are you hoping in? What are you putting your feet on to live your every day? Guilt and shame? Or is it, I am forgiven. I'm such a screw-up. But I have his grace, his mind-blowing, incredible, amazing grace. It's his grace, church, his grace. We sang about it. Do you remember that? Just like five, six minutes ago. Power of your grace. Starts with grace, it ends with grace, grace at the beginning, grace at the end. We do that on purpose to remind us, even in song, that it's all about God's incredible, amazing grace. So, how are you living then? Think back this past week. How much did his incredible grace just strengthen your heart? Or did you imagine a God who He's pretty frustrated with you because you're not living the law right. There's no such thing as a free lunch, Pastor. No, but in Christ, there's such thing as a free salvation and free forgiveness and free love, free to us because it was already paid for by Christ. Because of the gospel, I have grace. Say it with me. Because of the gospel, I have grace. But also this, because of the gospel, I have been sent. Because of the gospel, I have been sent. And this is coming from, of course, that same verse, verse number five. We're just unpacking this whole sentence here, at least the last part of it. So through whom we have received grace and, it says, apostleship. We've received grace and apostleship. This is Paul writing to Rome, to Roman believers. And he says, because you've got grace, you also have something else. You have apostleship. They were apostles, and we have received grace. So that means we also then are apostles. We are apostles. Don't you say, I'm an apostle. Say it. Now, you might be hesitant a little bit because Adam stood in the pulpit last week. And he, uh, unpacking for you Paul, where it says that he was an apostle, he said there are no more apostles today. So I'm telling you, you're apostle. Adam said there aren't any more. Which one is right, me or Adam, Adam or Jamie? Fight, 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 fight. In reality, of course, we both 100% agree Adam was not wrong at all by saying there are only a handful of capital A apostles, those who were sent directly by Jesus, just 12 that were sent by the physical embodiment, the manifested Christ who spoke to and taught men and sent them out. Those were the 12 apostles. 
So here's how I tell that. If you go out today and someone says to you, do you know I'm an apostle? You'll say, sweet, so am I. And they'd be like, no, 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 you understand. I'm an apostle. No, no, no. All of us have been sent. That word apostle that we see here in this verse is, a, is apostolos. And here's a Launida's lexicon on this word. It says this, the role of one who has been commissioned and sent as a special messenger. So in the general sense, we are all apostles. In the specific sense, only 12. But in the general sense, all of us have been called to be an apostle. So you have been sent. Remember what Jesus said as he was ascending in Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He is sending them out as you are going. Well, he was talking to the 12 there, right? He was. So how about this? 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. All this from God, Paul says, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now watch, and gave us us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. We just talked about that. He does not deal with us according to our sins or pay us according to our iniquities. Praise God. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, what's the word, church? ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That means you have this message that the people around you can be brought back to God. You know how that works because you've been reconciled, you've experienced it, and now you have that ministry to see other people come to Christ, and you live as an ambassador. Isn't that awesome? We've been sent. Because of the gospel, I've been sent. So, here we go now. Again, I want to get so exceedingly practical today, and I want to ask you, how is that actually impacting your day-to-day life, are you living like you're an ambassador? So I got on to chat GPT this week. Have you guys used this at all? It is super cool. No, it didn't write my sermon for me, but what it did is it provided this. I said, hey, what are some responsibilities of a foreign ambassador? And it gave me a list of seven things, which is interesting. They are responsible for diplomatic relations, for negotiations and treaties. That's kind of weighty for promoting national interests, that's interesting, for public diplomacy, counselor services, in other words, they'll help you get a passport if you need it, reporting and analysis and crisis, that's a lot of stuff ambassadors are doing. They're really, really busy. If they do it right. They are representing the interests of their country in a foreign land. And you're an ambassador of Christ, which means what we're doing is we're representing the interests of Christ in not only a foreign land, but a hostile land. We've been sent. You've been called as an ambassador. Now, here's the deal, though. These guys, they do this 
for a living. This is their job. So they get up, they have a full-time position as an ambassador. So it's easy for them to think about and focus on and get all these things there. But, but, but most of us aren't employed as ambassadors of Christ. Like you got a different job, right? You go to your own work, you go to school, you go do your thing that you do. And what ends up happening is that begins to take the central precedence in your life. And of course it does. It's what you do all the time. So I'm not saying to you, well, quit your job and just be an ambassador for Christ. But even though ambassador for Christ may not be your primary source of income, can I say it should be the most important thing about you? You might sell insurance, but you're an ambassador of Christ. You might work in the medical field but you're an ambassador of Christ first. Think about this. As a pastor, there's a lot of things that I do in a week that is just the administration of the church, the figuring things out, the connecting of people, all these things. And it's easy for me just to do my thing and not think about the fact that I'm an ambassador to the world around me. You've been sent. Here's the thing, church. We live our normal lives and being an ambassador of Christ becomes secondary. And that church is the problem. Before you're a teacher, before you're an insurance salesman, before you're a nurse, before you're a doctor, before you're whatever you are, you're first an ambassador. And it should impact her every day. We're like six words into verse number five. So let's keep it moving here. So verse number five again, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. By the way, before I leave this, who have I been sent to? Might be your question. Right? Here's what I'm going to say to you. Look around you. That's who you've been sent to. What, my wife? Yeah. Maybe she doesn't know Christ. <laughs> my wife does for sure, but some of your wives, I wonder. But even if she does know Christ, to serve her and to show her what Jesus looks like. Your kids, before you're an owner of your children, you're an ambassador of Christ. You are the hands of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus, the, the um, heart of Jesus to your kids, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. That's who you're sent to. We're ambassadors. Number three, because of the gospel, I have grace. Because of the gospel, I have been sent. Number three, because of the gospel, I live in faithful obedience. I live in faithful obedience. So check it out. Verse number five, let's keep walking through this. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now watch the language here. Watch the grammar. Through whom we have received faith, grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith. So you've been given this grace. You've been given this calling as an ambassador for a reason, to bring about obedience to the faith, to bring about obedience. We should be growing in obedience to his word. Because of the gospel, I should be growing in how I obey the word of God. So let me make a statement, then I'm going to share this with you from Scripture. Here's the statement. Love and obedience go hand in hand. Let me show you. Uh, go to John chapter 14, if you would, please. John chapter 14. So you should turn there in your Bibles, is what I'm saying. John chapter 14. 
with all these digital devices. It used to be back in the day, I'd say, turn your Bibles, I could hear pages flip, 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 flip. Now we hear, no, I don't really hear anything. <laughs> and you scroll through and find it. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's all, the, it's all God's word. So here we are in John chapter 14. And uh, this is a beautiful text. This is Jesus. This is the night before he goes to the a cross. And uh, he, is, uh, he just washed the disciples' feet. And now he is teaching the disciples, kind of his last sermon, his last teaching. And there's a lot here. You'll notice John 13, the end of John 13, all the way through 14, all the way through 15, all the way through 16, all the way through 17. If you have Red Letter Bible, you see Jesus is doing a lot of teaching. Uh, some scholars believe he was kind of doing this as he was walking from the upper room to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, could be that way. It's cool to think about that, to think about John 15, I am the vine. Maybe they were passing vines along the way, and he'd say, hey, that's me, I'm the vine. Whatever the case, there's Jesus leaning in and teaching, and he teaches, this is important, this is his last uh, uh, opportunity of really pressing into the disciples. And look what he says in verse number 15, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is all throughout the text. Take a look at verse number 21. Whoever has my commandments and keep them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, speaks up a little bit and, and says some things, and then Jesus comes back to this. Look at this, verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how it is that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. And Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Like, he didn't answer the question, but yeah, he did. Because obedience to his word manifests Christ. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. You get the theme here? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you really love me, obey me. Love and obedience go hand in hand. Now, it really became evident to me when I became a parent. If you love me, clean your room. Can I get a witness? That's so true. So, so what, obey what? What are we supposed to obey? What are the commandments of Christ? Well, church, there's a bunch of them. The Bible is full of commandments. You start thinking about all of that, and you're like, oh, man, there's a lot in this book. There's a lot of commandments. That kind of feels weighty. That kind of feels hard. That kind of feels burdensome. Well, John comes back in his epistle. Remember, he was in this upper room. He heard these words from Jesus himself, and he says this, for the love of God, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Check this out. Read this with me, would you please, from that on? And his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome because we love him. So uh, last August, my dad decided it was a good idea at 70-plus years old at night on a four-wheeler to try to make it up a hill that was uh, mostly mud. And uh, anyway, he learned his lesson. So uh, he got hurt and uh, ended up breaking part of his back. He had a, uh, his eye was just crushed, his face was crushed, and it was just a, a really rough time for dad. And so he needed some help, and so he came to live with us and so I could help care for him. And uh, we were trying to save, he didn't end up saving his eye, we were trying to save his eye. And to, to do that, we had like seven different eye drops 
jobs. So we had to give him all throughout the course of the day, certain ones at certain times. On top of that, he's got a lot of medications that he's taking and even more since the accident. And so we had to get his medications all lined up and be sure he had all of his medications at the right time. Plus, we had to feed him. And trust me, the guy loves his food. And so I had to get up and make his oatmeal every morning and be sure he's got food. And we did lunch and we did dinner and all of that. And and it was intense. It was uh, busy. But it wasn't burdensome. Why? Because I love him. He cared for me when I needed him. If I needed him today, he would step at nothing to be sure that I was cared for. And it was, honestly, it was a joy. It was tiring at times, but it was a joy to care for Dad because I love him. Here's Jesus, and does he love you? Do you deserve it? It's what grace is all about, his undeserved love. But he loves you, and he knows everything. And so he says to you, do this, and don't do that, and, and obey my word. And in all of that, we do it because we trust him, and we trust him because he loves us, and we love him. So, impact your every day. Does walking in obedience to the word of God impact your every day? Everyone do this. There's a whole lot of commandments in there. There's a whole lot of things that if I want to walk in obedience to the word, I got to be living them out better and better and better. So yeah, it definitely impacts my everyday because of the gospel. Say that with me again, because of the gospel, I have grace. I have been sent. I'll read this part, I'm sorry. <laughs> what does my pastor want me to do? I'm just trying to obey for crying out loud. Uh, because of the gospel, I have grace. I have been sent. I will live in faithful obedience. And now write this down as well. We have number four. Uh, I have a heart for missions. I have a heart for missions. And where in the world are you getting that, Pastor Jamie? Well, good question. And uh, we're not out of verse number five yet. Let's look at verse number five. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship, now watch again the grammar here, it's very cool, to bring about the obedience of the faith, here it is now, for the sake of his name among all the nations. Man, I love that. For the sake of his name, making him known, his glory, his fame. We've talked a lot about this recently. His proclamation of who he is, declaring his excellencies. Man, I want to walk in obedience so I can be better at living for the sake of his name, not just here though, but to all the nations. See the emphasis there? Man, we walk in obedience so we can make his name known for the sake of his name in all of the nations. This is a global perspective. And God is about something today. I've talked about it a lot recently with the whole book of Acts talking about it. And recently, we well, talking about the Tower of Babel. We saw this beautiful story where the nations kind of get created as God confuses their language. But then at the end, he brings them all back in every tribe and every tongue and all nations are there praising Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of what God is doing around the world as an ambassador 
We need to have a passion to see the gospel go out all over the world, all the nations. We see it over and over again in Scripture. All the nations. So this fall, I'm going to get a chance to go to Africa. Uh, maybe you don't know this about me, but when I originally submitted to the call to the ministry, I submitted to be a missionary to Africa. I was convinced that God was going to call me to Africa. And uh, then he didn't. He moved my heart to uh, pastor here. But when I get to go back, it just is so like affirming to me that God had me with that heart for a reason. And I can't wait to go back. And I'm going to stand in a pulpit in Lemuru, which is a, a suburb of Nairobi, Lemuru, and then also in Tuwoto, Uganda, so Lemuru, Kenya, Tuwoto, Uganda, and I'm gonna stand in a pulpit and I'm gonna teach, me and other people, a group of pastors and their wives what it means to really love God's word and to have a ministry according to the word of God. And I don't wanna do that if, without me actually living the word of God. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to say you should when I'm not. I don't want to call them to obedience when I am not walking in obedience. And this is a burden that I think is good and necessary, but a burden I feel. Paul felt it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should become disqualified. I fear that. Because if I can walk in obedience and faithfulness, God can use me. I can be used in Africa. I can be used to get the gospel out to all the nations. And the same is true for you. Walk in obedience so you have the opportunity of being a part of what God is doing all around the world. Do you know there are millions who don't know Jesus still? Millions who have never heard. Millions who have heard but yet not believed. We're going to get to this later in Romans chapter 10, but he says this there. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? True in Africa? Can I get a witness? True in China? True in Sudan? You know what I'm going to say next, right? True in Fort Wayne? And how will they hear without someone preaching, proclaiming? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So guess what? I'm sending you. God already has. That's what the whole apostle thing means. You've already been sent. But here's what I want to emphasize to you this morning. We've been sent to the world. Say, say that with me. We have been sent to the world. We have been. And we get to be a part of what God is doing all over the world. And I want a church, and I'm praying for this, and we're working at this. God is just giving us some crazy opportunities. Uh, you know, Adam didn't like say one day, you know what, I have a real heart for Egypt, so I'm going to go to Egypt. and I'm gonna... No, no, the opportunities came about his way. Kenya just opened up to me through my connections with Harvest previously. Tawada opened up because Modern had a connection to Harvest, and so did 
Odongo in Tuwoto, that opened up an opportunity here. We didn't ask for this, it just kind of came our way. Just yesterday, Adam was teaching a group of Sudanese refugees. Isn't that crazy? He didn't set out one day, I have a heart for this. God, God just brought it to us. We have opportunities in Egypt that are coming up. I mean, God's just bringing things our way. And I want this to be not just something that we do, okay? Not something that the pastors do, but I want it to be something that the church does together. Say with me again, we have been sent to the world, and that is all of us. Now, maybe not to go, all of us, some maybe, but for sure all of you to buy chicken. Can I get a witness? It's just not a hard ask, people. It just isn't. Buy delicious chicken and eat it. I mean, come on. That's like so easy. Do that. And actually, chicken sales are going great, so I'm not, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. But I'm just trying to say, like, this is part of what we're doing, and we really want our church to be, have a heart and a passion to do that. Well, we do, listen, do you love what we do here? Come on. Do you love what we do here at Redemption? Yeah, I want to do that here. I want to do that there. I want to do that everywhere. I want to see God doing that all around the world. Last one, five impacts of the gospel. Because of the gospel, say that with me, just that. Because of the gospel, great, I'll finish. I have grace, I have been sent, I will live in faithful obedience, I have a heart for missions, and write this, and I love that you gotta write this down, but write this down, I belong to Jesus. The thing that ties all this together the thing that will absolutely fuel all the other four is number five. And my passion for you is to understand this. Listen, my heart for you is to understand this at a deeper level today and to leave here with a more full, more impacted view of this. I belong to Jesus. It's right from the text. So let's, let's see it again. So we are gonna start in verse number five and work our way down now through whom we've also received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I love that. Paul's been drilling now for two weeks. We've been watching Paul drill down and drill down and drill down. Finally, he hits the pay dirt he's after and he says, yes, he's called all the nations, but listen, he's called you. You belong to Jesus. It's very personal. And if you know Christ, it belongs to you. You belong to him. We belong to Jesus. A couple of things to point out from the text. Let me just finish reading here then. To all those, uh, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those who are in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number seven, that it's a calling. You're called to be saints, and that means that God chose you and called you to, to believe in him. That's how that worked. November of 1987, when 12-year-old Jeannie was kneeling in the back of the church and asking Jesus to save me, it was because God had called my name. God had chosen me before the foundation of the world. Now, I don't really like that, Pastor. I gotta be honest with you. I don't really like the idea that God chooses some and doesn't choose others. I don't, I don't like how all that works. Well, here's the problem. Ephesians chapter one, verse number four says this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be whole, even as he what, church? Even as he 
chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us and the beloved. Okay, don't argue with me. Argue with God's word. Clearly stating here, we've been chosen. We've been predestined. Now, it felt like I chose Christ. And the Bible does say anyone who believes will be saved so where the sovereignty of God ends and my free will begins, I don't know how to unpack all of that. But here's what I know. He chose me. Out of all of the billions of people that have lived, God chose me. And he chose Doug and Matt. And he chose Courtney. And he chose Alan. And he, cho- he chose you. Even Ethan, he probably, he chose us. Now, look, the reality is, and I feel like me, but when I was a little kid, remember in kindergarten, and it was like, okay, today we're learning about the letter J. Who wants to come up front and hold the letter J? Oh, 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 pick me, pick me. My first name begins with J. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Okay, yeah. And is that, was that like you? We love, oh, I get to be the select one. I get to be the special one today that gets to hold the letter J. And I guess I've always loved being in front of people, all right? Quit judging me. But, you know, we love to be chosen. Or maybe it's, hey, we're playing football, and I choose you. That never happened to me. But I choose you. I can marry anybody, but I choose you. You love to be chosen, and I want you to know God chose you. It's a calling. Listen, church, it's a calling to belong. Verse number six says, to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Isn't that special? You belong to Christ That means you are his. That's awesome. Because you want to belong. We do crazy things in order to belong. So the other day, Madeline said, hey, Dad, I heard you used to wear Converse shoes. I said, yeah, all, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. All the time I wore Converse shoes. And those of you who planted the church with me, you know, I, in the first year, I was always in Converse shoes. And, and why was that? Well, I didn't always wear Converse shoes, not all my life. In fact, when I was a Baptist, I wore khaki pants and a tucked-in polo shirt everywhere I went because that's what Jesus would want me to wear as a Baptist. But, uh, but when you get to Harvest, and I was at Harvest, and I was with all the other guys, and there, what it was is you wore a button-down shirt untucked in jeans, and guess what? Converse shoes. And so for my birthday one year, Courtney got me some Converse shoes, and I'm like, okay, this is cool, and I got all the Converse shoes and several different pairs, so I had a black pair and a green pair and a blue pair, and I think I had a blue pair, but you get the idea, I got all these, and because that was, and we were all together, all of us guys, all dressed the same because we had a sense of belonging together. Don't judge me, you've done it. Some guy at work, I'm doing P90X, oh, I wanna fit in, I wanna do P, you know, you do it too for a week or two. Uh, and then, or whatever. We've had like 16 people buy pellet grills in the last month because, you know, we got one at the office and we're like, this is cool. And we all want to belong. And you want to belong, and you do. But listen, you don't belong to some group of dorky pastors or whatever the case. You belong to Jesus. And what's awesome 
It's a calling. It's a calling to belong. It's a calling to belong based on love. Do you see what verse number seven says? You are loved by God. Not based on your merit, not based on how well you're doing this, but based only on his love for you. Isn't that refreshing? Isn't that refreshing? I hope it is. Because you have this little phrase at the very end of verse number seven where he kind of tags us on and he does a lot of this with his letters. He says, grace and, what's the second word there? Peace. Remember peace? Peace is shalom. It, we went through Genesis, we talked, we talked about this. Everything is as it should be. Everyone go, ah. Yes, everything is as it should be. It's all right. Well, well how can I live like that? Well, you can if you're living with a deep sense of belonging to Christ. Because if I am his, that means he will take care of me. And if it's based on his love for me, that means it's not going away ever. And so this week, although some things are gonna happen that I'm not gonna love, some relationships might go awry, whatever the case is, man, I belong to Jesus and nothing's gonna change that and that gives me Peace. So I ask you, is this impacting your every day? This is all yours because of the gospel. But are you living that way? Tomorrow, I want to challenge you, man. Live with a deep sense of everlasting belonging. And it will, that alone will change your every day. Look back at this list, put up on the screen again if we can. These are all the things we're talking about. Uh, because of the gospel, I have grace. Because of the gospel, I have been sent. Because of the gospel, I live in faithful, growing, if I may say that, obedience. If I have the gospel, I have a heart for missions. If I have the gospel, I belong to Jesus. And if I have the gospel, it changes everything. Say that with me. If I have the gospel, it changes everything. So Father, we ask for your help in all this. We ask that you help us to live this in our lives. It's so precious. It's so important. It's absolutely life-changing. Tomorrow, I want myself to believe that I'm really forgiven in grace, that your grace is really that good, and I have it. I want to really believe that I belong to you, and no matter what, I'm going to be okay. Help me to rest in that for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Redemption. You are loved.